Welcome to Exponential's Reproducing Churches podcast. For the next half hour, we'll be meeting with some of the most innovative leaders who've cracked church multiplication to help you become a level five multiplying leader. Here's your host, author, church multiplier, Peyton Jones. Welcome back to Exponential's Reproducing Churches podcast. I'm your host, Peyton Jones, and with me today is Pete Mueller of the Axe Church in Lakeway and the Axe Church Network or Multiplication Network. Peter, welcome on. Hey, it's great to be with you today. Hey, good to have you, man. So you and I have been geeking out and goofing off a little bit before this, and uh, I think we've established some very cool things. You come from a long line of ministers. Tell us a little bit about your background, because your story is a little unique. (laughs) Well, uh, I come from kind of the Lutheran church stock in America, and my dad was a uh, pastor before me. Uh, which is kind of funny because I I would just took for granted the fact that there were pastors and teachers and people like that in our family tree. And uh, my dad's dad was a pastor before him. And then it kind of flips to uh, my dad's mom's side. But we track uh, Lutheran Church pastors going all the way back in our denomination, which is the Missouri Synod, all the way back to the mid-1800s. And I had a uh, – I, I was get this wrong, but great, 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 great – well, let's just say great-grandfather – who was a missionary to the Indians during the great Indian uprising after the Civil War. It's like crazy story stuff. Now, this is a podcast, but he's in the background, and his name is Otmar, and he has That's the true. rad beard. And I almost feel like if we put a beard on you and maybe a bow tie and a, a killer little <laughs> tweed suit, man, we're almost looking at the same dude. I can get there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not worthy. Like Those guys and the hardships they went through— uh, he was worthy of that beard, man, that, that he wears yeah. that thing with pride. Yeah. And they did have it tough. I mean, I, I think about that all the time that, you know, my toughest ministry day is just nothing compared to the kind of work that they were doing. And even like figuring out the language and, and translating the Bible into the language of the sp- specific tribe that he worked with. I mean, things like that were just nuts. Well, so, and, and you're talking about, you know, uh, you're, you're now in Lakeway, Texas, and I, I know that it's not quite the same as the ministry he had, but being a multiplier is not easy, right? It's no cakewalk. It's yeah, not a walk right. in the park. But uh, you were asked uh, years ago by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in Texas to uh, to do some stuff. Tell us a little bit about your history. Dig back in. Where, where did this whole journey start? for uh peter mueller yeah good question you know there were there simultaneous tracks i think that in hindsight we look back and we say oh this was going on at the same time this other thing was going on um so i had been actually in st louis missouri at a uh, large church and we had we had grown in size very quickly i mean i i got in there i was more or less the number two guy while they were already on the upswing and um so i came in and as as uh, a guy who got to kind of play around the edges, and we we were getting above 2,000 in worship on a weekend, and so uh, at that point in time, they said, "Hey, Pete, why don't you take this smaller group off and start a kind of an unconventional service over there in the youth center?" And so I did that, and that started taking off, and then we pretty soon said, "Hey, if we can do that on campus, why not do that off campus?" So I took a group of people to a YMCA about five miles away, and we did that for a couple of years. And then I took another group kind of toward Midtown, St. Louis, and we did that for a couple of years. The whole time, I'm not thinking that I'm a church planter. 
But I had to cast vision. I had to form a launch team. I had to do marketing, had to form a small group process of discipleship, uh, hire staff. And there was a guy from Texas, to kind of wrap this back to your question, um, who called me on the phone and said, hey, would you be interested in planting churches in Texas? And I said, I'm not sure I'm a church planter. And there was just this pause on the other end of the phone. And then he simply said, and I just, I'm going to quote this word from word. He said, you sound like a church planter. You act like a church planter. You think like a church planter. And he just kind of let the silence sit on me. <laughs> and it still took me a while to figure it out. So that was kind of one track uh, and that I'd been asked to, to come to Texas for that. But simultaneous to that, there had been one guy, uh, a church planter that I actually knew. He was a, another Lutheran guy in St. Louis. And the day I met him, he said, uh, don't just plant a church, plant a church that plants churches. And that was the phrase that got stuck in me so that when this whole thing, you know, cycled back where I was asked to come to Texas, that was the, that dominant thing that I could not get away from. That's awesome, man. So uh, what did he mean exactly by you talk like a church planner, you think like one, you act like one? I mean, were you like throwing food in restaurants? I mean, that's that's what most people think of church planners. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, the fact that I was uh, not thinking about the safety of what was going on already at the mega church. And I mean, there's some great things going on. And to this day, I credit that specific church with so much of my training and leadership development and the ability to think strategically and plan that way. But there was a sense that I got during that time that the adventure was was taking place outside of the church. And I think what this guy might have seen in me was the fact that even though most people, and, and I'm going to speak for pastors because pastors are a little crazy, every pastor wants a big church, right, until they get one. And then they get inside of it and then they go, well, I don't know, maybe that wasn't it. You know, they thought that was the itch they were scratching, but it really was something for most of us it was something different from that. And the very fact that I cared about the community out, you know, that was on the other side of the parking lot and I wanted to have a specific engagement with them. That's awesome, man. So your church now is 10 years old. Right? Yeah. So you, you've planted. Give us a little update. Where are things at now? How how many churches have been planted out? What does multiplication look like? Yeah, good question. So when when I came down to Austin in two thousand and nine, so we've just passed our you know we're we're past our ten year anniversary now, but I I came in with that really just a sense of calling to say, you know, don't just plant a church, plant a church that plants churches, which now I hear that more and more. But at the time, I didn't know anybody who was saying that or thinking that way. And that was the thing I could not get away from. And so I walked in and it was, it was, this is a longer story, but it was truly a relaunch situation. And this little group of people was, um, you know, pulling a trailer and setting up in this cafeteria every Sunday. And, um, there was a, a retired pastor with some Alzheimer's who was leaving them on Sundays. And there's no reason this thing should have kept going. But I walked in with this really clear vision to say, hey, if I come here, we're not, we're not by God's grace, going to just relaunch, revitalize this one church. But we're going we're gonna to start a movement. We're going to plant a church that really, really keeps on, <clears throat> excuse me, planting churches. And so they just kind of smiled and nodded, having no idea what I was talking about. And to be frank, I had no idea what I was talking about. But it was a really sense of, of this is what I'm supposed to be obedient to. 
And so within two years, we had uh, formed uh, kind of the early stages of a church planting network. We called it the Axe Church Network. Initially, it was me and another dude meeting on his deck on a you know hot, sunny Austin afternoons, talking for two and a half hours, just you know dreaming about what was next. Uh, but eventually, that got legs under it, and within a couple years, uh, by 2013, we had planted our next church. Um, and, uh, I know there's a spot a little bit later where we credit certain people, but I have to say Ed Stetzer is a guy that, um, I went to exponential for the very first time. Cause another church planner told me, he goes, dude, you got to go to exponential. As soon as I became a church planner, he's like, you got to go to this. And I it's, remember, Ed's, I, I always tell people it's like the Lollapalooza <laughs> for church planners, is. right? It like is. all the big bands are there, you know, all the rock yeah. stars. And I saw, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go. I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, but Ed Stetzer was speaking in Henry Chapel in Orlando um, at First Baptist. And uh, I remember him saying, almost all churches that get planted intend to plant more churches and almost none do. And he was talking about me and I got my pen out and I'm like, I got to make sure I listen right now. Wow. So, so what were some of the takeaways you got from that? Do you remember that far yeah. back? Now it's probably no, like you've absorbed it in your DNA. You may not even remember what was said. You know, I, there's a lot that is there. There's a lot of absorption that goes on, and I'm sure some of which I, I take credit for today. Yeah, that was but you know, it's kind of like Pee Wee Herman. You know, Pee Wee yeah. Herman in uh, the movie where he yeah. says, "I lived it," right? Like it's not yes. just a movie. Now, now you've lived it. It's like it, it's yeah. real to you. But what were some of the things that you did? I want to dig down on that a bit yeah. because I think most people listening feel like you. Like, right. I want to, but I don't know how. What changed for you? Right. And and if I if I credit Ed Stetzer on that day, he said, it's just like what we do with our personal finances. We say, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more time, you know, then I'd do this. And so uh, with church planting, it's if we had more people, we would plant. If we had more money, we would plant. If we, you know, we have to get to 10 years before we plant. So within, I mean, I'd, I'd been in Austin for just a month or two, and I'm already, you know, this is being filed away in almost like engraved in my mind to say, we have to just almost set these artificial lines in the sand by which we're going to do certain things. And that was, again, Ed's counsel. And so um, we said, you know, very quickly, I, I got back from that conference, and very quickly we set you know, specific milestones by this date, we're going to have the next location picked by this date. We're going to have a funding plan in place. And by this date, we're going to have the next, uh, church planter slash pastor in place. And by that was 2009. And by 2013, we had commissioned our next group of people Sunday after Easter on our stage, who went off and planted Axe church Leander. Wow, man. Um, yeah. And then they in turn quickly planted two more and, then we planted again. So uh, we actually had a couple really good um, failures in the process. Uh, we yep. call that R&D, don't we? Isn't that what we that do? That shows you're doing it right, brother. <laughs> yeah. But again, learning, and there's a lot of grace in there, but there was uh, just a, a real fire that went along with that as this DNA really took hold. So, Peter, you've talked a little bit about, you know, planting and, and what what happened at the early days, your initial startup. Obviously, there were challenges there. What was some of your biggest obstacles or roadblocks to multiplication? That is uh, certainly a 
a sharp question because uh, they were the best of times. They were the worst of times. It certainly goes together. Uh, it's a Dickensian tale. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, we recently were working with uh, Oxano, uh, David Putman with Oxano as, as our consultant. We recently did a life map of our network's history. And it is so interesting to look at this graphically to see how the really hard times happened to to as great of a degree in the negative direction as the awesome things that were happening at the same point of the timeline from a positive direction. And, and we, we get one with the other, and that's certainly been our experience. Um, initially, it was uh, we had questions of funding, uh, number of people. And because we planted so quickly, I mean, there were people that gave me counsel that said, don't plant so fast. You know, Ed Stetcher's an idiot. Don't listen to him. And uh, even some people from this initial launch team. People say that about Peyton Jones. That guy's an idiot. Don't <laughs> listen to him. So I'm in good company, apparently. I, I can't judge that. So uh, anyway, there's even some people on our launch team who uh, were finally, they're like going, oh, we, we're going to be alive. We're going to be a legitimate church. This is going to be great. And then quickly saying, oh, you're going to bankrupt us. You're going to like dismantle this whole thing that now finally, after all this hard work, blood, sweat, tears, you know, financial investment, everything else, you're now going to basically strip this away and we're, we're just going to, it's like, it's going to be a house of cards. Um, and so, uh, planting fairly quickly, we, you know, we just really got infused in, you know, I don't want this to sound trite, but, but it truly is a gospel centered movement. And so we just kept going back to the word of God. We kept going back to prayer. It was such a spiritual process because there were times when I would come back and I'd say, Oh, here's our next milestone. And I'd hear it coming out of my mouth and I would chicken out. And I, the, the most terrifying thing for me was when other people through prayer, reflection, journaling scripture said, I agree. We all, you know, when they said we need to do this and I was like, oh, shoot, I thought somebody was going to talk me out of it. Yeah. Because then I could have looked like, you know, the great adventuring leader. But I would have said, well, I tried, but it was these stupid sheep that didn't want to go where I wanted to go. Well, but, it's like that TED talk, isn't it? Where oh, you, you see, you know, dancing naked guy, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's a nut at first. He's just a lone uh -huh. nut. And then they say, that's the importance of the first follower. The first yes. person that chips in adds yes. legitimacy. So now, you know, you're, you're, you're not just dancing naked guy anymore. You're like, you got a first follower. It's on. Yeah. That's, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to pursue that analogy, but uh, we'll just let that one stand where it is. Uh, it, I mean, and I can't say enough good about this, this group of people that, that started with, um, they had such a level of faith and adventure. Um, and I, to this day, lift that group of people up and tell those stories because it was such a faith building time for me as a pastor and a planter, as well as it was for the whole, you know, this this developing church. That's good. So uh, if I go back to the, to the next church plant, so when, you know, this first church is alive, 2009, this is successful. We launch into the Acts Church name. We form this network. And then we send away, we were just about getting to, you know, 175 to 200 people in worship on a weekend. And we commissioned 35 people and sent them away. The next Sunday, they're not there. Their kids are not there. Uh, their offering is not going in our basket. 
And that uh, that summer after they had left and they were, you know, we sent them, we blessed them, we commissioned them. We're sharing stories about how they're doing community impact and they're getting ready to launch in the fall. But people back home at the, you know, at the home base, they, uh, there was a, one day our, our youth leader uh, in a staff meeting, she said, uh, she said, hey, Pete, people are asking me if we're going to be okay. Are we going to be okay? And I looked at her and I said, you remember, we did this in faith. We believe God's leading us in this. We're going to be okay. And she goes, okay. And she went back and told her people. And I had no, there was nothing that was really uh, discernible other than a faith response that I based that on. Right. But that was a, that was a key marker where I realized there is a cost to planting. Yes. And I don't just feel it. The whole church feels it. The whole right. church lives it. You know, I think God gives, though, multipliers, uh, whether it's multiplying cinders or church planters, an extra bolus of faith. Even if, mm-hmm. if, if for a split second you had another conversation going on, like, I don't know if we are okay, man, you know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but there's still that faith that, but there's this other thing in me that's saying, yeah, we're okay. God's got mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's interesting because I think that is part of leading people into multiplication. Dwight, Dwight Eisenhower during D-Day, the whole Operation Overlord. Oh yeah, right. He, he said that one of the keys to success, I mean, this was an amphibious assault that had never been attempted like this on that scale ever in the history of the world. And here he is engineering this, this brand new way of attacking and, and the Nazi Nazi army, you know, which, which they were no slouch in a, in a, in a trench, you know what I'm saying? They, they yeah. were good at warfare. And he, uh, he said his, one of his key things that he attributes success, he says, I never complained down when things weren't going well. Ooh, I yeah. never, ever shared that I might share across, I might share up, but mm-hmm. I, I, with the people under me, it was, yeah, we got this. We're good. And that wow. was part of one of the keys of leadership for him. And I, I, I love that that was kind of your, your heart. And I've, I've definitely noticed parallels in church planning as well. So let's fast forward to today. What are some of your greatest challenges now, 10 years on? Yeah. So today uh, we still have questions of funding, although we've got some money in the bank. We've, you know, the more stories we've been able to tell, the more legitimacy that that lends. And so people want to be part of something like that. And so we've had a, we've had a pretty good run of just inviting some investment in that. Um, not to say that it's going to last forever, but we've, we've got some capital to work with right now. Our bigger challenges now have to do with, uh, I would say strategy and leadership. So, and I'll pick those apart just very briefly. Um, four churches in, there's not just, uh, you know, me in a room and I walk out and say, here's the really clear vision. Now we've got four different pastors of four different churches in town with, in turn, four different leadership teams that, you know, move out a notch from that, not to mention the people who show up on Sundays or who are part of that mission in four different locations. And for the most part, we're like half an hour away from each other. And so keeping four distinct leadership teams, because what we said from the start is, um, these are not going to be satellites. These are not going to be one board, one budget. Um, and there's certainly a le- legitimacy to those kinds of ministries, but 
really clearly from my last experience in St. Louis, I said, we want to plant freestanding churches. Initially, it will go slower, but long term, for us to plant churches that plant churches and to really carry this out into a multiplication movement, we got to let these things go. But now, fast forward 10 years, having let four different churches go, and now I lead the network, plus I still am the primary leader at Axe Church Lakeway. Now there's a divergence. Suddenly I'm meeting with some church planners, and what happens when one of them says, you know, I kind of agree with your vision, but not really. <laughs> like, Or, you know, that, that mission statement that we all agreed to? I was kind of just kidding. I'm not sure I agreed on the mission statement. I think I like the values, but um, I'm going to fight you on the mission statement. And so then we've had to figure out, all right, what are the irreducible minimums? And for us, what we settled on, and we're going through this process now so I can speak with a little bit more clarity on it, which I did not have six months ago. But right now it looks like we are agreeing on the values that we share, and we're agreeing on a set of rhythms that are that are expressed through a covenant that we've actually just developed. And so those are just a couple examples. But we had to figure out now, it's kind of like when your kids become teenagers or they become young adults, and then they say, I, I don't agree with your values, Dad. What's your next conversation? What's your move, Dad? That's really good, man. And and these are the things, you know, it's amazing because these are the things that you don't think of when you're at that initial, uh, you know, hey, we're going to multiply out, right? Yeah. We're going to be a church that plants churches. You don't think these things mm -hmm. through. So you have almost naturally had to start shifting from thinking like a church to thinking like a network Absolutely. of churches. Yeah. And that that is a skill in and of itself. And that leads me to my next question, which is your process, because obviously you have a bit of a process here. Um, <clears throat> for example, um, you have uh, if I look at um, your church multiplication movement in Texas, you've got various stages that you uh, help uh, church planners work through. Talk us through that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, some of this comes out of uh, not just our own experience, but then comparing notes with uh, some of the, the, I mean, there's some other great networks in Texas and around the country that I've had an ability to collaborate with. And so um, I wasn't necessarily to even try to define this initially, but lately there's certain things that just keep showing up, Right. Uh, either from our own story or by just saying, hey, what was it like for you? So, um, and these are not necessarily stages that, that flow always um, consecutively. A lot of times they, they happen concurrently. But for instance, the first, and everyone is, I could talk about people that influence me. Um, but the first step is just waiting for the Holy Spirit. And I have to acknowledge that when I first started out, and it's, it's my personality, I just start charging. And then it's like, oh, Holy Spirit, <laughs> a lot of, lot, lot of smarter people than I have, have written about this kind of stuff, but I, that was my story. And so the first step is just be quiet, slow down, believe the gospel is the very first step, you know, to say God's bigger than this. I mean, I love what Paul says, you know, remember Jesus Christ descended from David, uh, raised from the dead. This is my gospel. And if we can't be there, I think Timothy Keller does such a great job in, in his book, Center Church, to really just take a lot of time to unpack that. That would be one of my influences on that. But then anticipating that God is going to speak, you know, he's going to work through the word. 
Uh, and so we started doing some things like praying and fasting over new, new workers and new work. And um, actually using the Bible to talk back to God, uh, using the very words of Scripture. And so that's been a process for us. And so uh, there's a book um, called, just called Praying the Bible. So a year ago, I bought like 30 copies of this little book, and we just started practicing this. So it's not like we've been doing all of this consistently for 10 years. But I think uh, even through some of the um, exponential uh, involvement that I've had through some learning communities— this prayer and fasting thing keeps showing up. And it, it was uh, honestly a chink in the armor for me that I realized like, oh, wow, we got to go back and establish that base. You know, it's funny because without that, we won't see a return to multiplication. Mm. And, yeah. you know, that's something that, that, you know, as we look at this year, our theme is together. And next year, the theme is going to be about exactly that. Because that is the starting point in the book of Acts. It has to be ours. So that's really refreshing to hear you say that. So talk us a little bit more through those stages. Okay. So uh, I was just kind of referring to the opening stage, which is just really waiting on the, on the Holy Spirit. The, the next stage is really introducing somebody to multi- multiplication thinking. Um, and I find in a lot of conversations... Uh, we've actually started doing a better job of telling some of the stories, get, capturing those uh, within our larger church body here in Texas. There is a very specific process, intentional about uh, shooting videos and telling stories on a monthly basis about church planting and missional work. And and there's a lot of lunches that all um, and I, I know not uh, not everybody is set up to do this, but because uh, there's some work I do with our Texas district, um, I'm able to travel a little bit further around the state and just to meet with different people and have a, a you know have a beer or a barbecue with somebody, uh, or maybe have a group of leaders together and we just kind of host a little thing. But it gives us a chance to talk about what does it look like for some of these other church planting, either partnerships or networks or movements. Uh, some of them are happening in Texas. Some of them, uh, I'm really being inspired by some of the people I'm meeting through Exponential with that. Um, so there's introduction to that thinking, and then there's there's next an invitation into that. Um, it's kind of that ICNU uh, conversation. Again, I hear that through Exponential a lot. But being able to say to somebody, you know what, I think you have what it takes to uh, do that or be that. Um I was really struck by your podcast with Todd Wilson. I listened to that, the inaugural podcast in this series. And uh, one thing that Todd said, I I really love this. He said, every church is one decision away from being a reproducing church. Hmm. But sometimes you just need somebody like, you know, Peyton or Todd or Pete or whoever to say that to you. Right. Um, Or that guy that I go all the way back to says, don't just plant a church, plant a church that plants churches. He has no idea to the degree that he influenced me by that mm. one thing he said that one day in this one fellowship hall, in this one church, I can't even name. Right. You know? And and for you, I mean, you know, Ed Stetzer, he probably yeah. has no idea. He might have gotten right. on that plane, flown home and thought, man, I really sucked this year. I bombed. Yeah, I bombed. Man, <laughs> yeah. I, they're not going to ask me back. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Yeah, and the stages after that are really then about preparing somebody to plant. Uh, I'm working with a friend of mine, Matt Peoples, from the Kairos Network in New Jersey, 
and uh, we've worked together, and he's really the lead on this, but have uh, worked together with some other great people to develop a church planter leadership training process, and it's all based on an app, and it's live in the app store, and we're doing it so people can get it for free, but it basically provides an entire progression of training um, toward church planting. And so there's some things like that, that even up to a year ago, I did not have as tools. But the further we've gotten into this, I just want to say that clearly, because initially it was kind of like Swiss cheese. There were parts of this that were in place, but I don't want it to make a, I don't want to make it sound like this was a fully developed entire process from day one. And we'll probably still change it, you know, three more times, but so, and I can see on here, you know, you've got inv invitation to action, preparation to plant, strengthening of new churches, and all of that involves things like advising, training, coaching, releasing, collaborating. So it, it's a really involved system, and it's actually really cool. But my next question is, um, obviously, 10 years on, right? You've been through your first decade. Now you're heading into your second decade and you pointed out in the article with outreach that uh, your funding model worked well in launching your first five churches but you recognize that that model that you started with that whole hey what got us here isn't going to get us there it's not sustainable as we continue to multiply so as you're moving into your second decade you, you've outlined a few ways that Axe is starting to operate much more collaboratively. And being the exponential's theme this year is together, walk mm -hmm. us through that. What is Axe Church Lakeway now doing? What are you guys doing ongoing to kind of get you there? Yeah, this is what we're really digging in with uh, right now. In fact, we started, um, I, I'm going to say last September, but this is what the process we've been working with David Putman with, with the Oxano Group. And so we've had a series of, of really intense sessions. So I'm actually speaking out of a process that's going on right now. We're about halfway through that. But there's some really clear things that are, that are emerging, that are, that are already receiving a lot of clarity. And one of the things that's, that's a big change, and I talked about the funding model, but the other thing is the leadership pipeline. Uh, Ten years ago, through our Lutheran seminaries, we were basically receiving the cream of the crop of seminary graduates who are church planters, and they were all vying to get to the best church planting networks. And our district had a, a pretty attractive situation where you were going to be placed in a really pretty strong place uh, in terms of a location. You were going to have a lot of support. There was a funding model. Um, fast forward 10 years f you know, forward, no longer is church planter assessment even taking place at the seminaries. It's happening more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we used to have uh, 15 or so graduates of the seminary who would pass church planter assessment, and then they would they would basically be available to be placed. And so we were just kind of, we weren't doing church planter development. We were doing church planter placement. I mean, let's let's really just call it what it is. In our next 10 years, we realized that that has got to flip. And initially, uh, at the start of our network, everything was built around the church planter. As we look in our next 10 years, we're, we're turning that whole thing on its ear. And our, our, our picture of the next 10 years is that rather than waiting for the seminary-trained church planter to walk in and then building everything around that individual and family, instead of that, we're actually starting with the people who are living in communities that surround our existing Acts churches. 
And so our, our kind of storyline over the next 10 years is that we would identify 10 families in each community, targeting 10 different communities with the goal of planting a church or an expression of the church um, in 10 different communities over, over the next 10 years. So really seeing 10 more churches in our, in our next decade that will flow out of our Acts Church network. But it starts by identifying, training, and releasing ordinary people. And we're really using that phrase intentionally. We're saying we want to raise up ordinary people as church planting teams and church planters. That's really good, man. Well, hey, I, I want to thank you so much for your wisdom and helping us kind of look down the corridors of a decade from the starting point. My hope is that people that have come on that have, you know, maybe some leaders that are thinking, man, I'd really love to multiply, um, but they're not taking the long view, right? Not realizing that when you get there and you multiply to a few churches, you probably don't see what's next. And the value of having someone like you on, Peter, is being able to, to hear the wisdom of somebody who kind of looked back to you and said, hey, plant a church that plants churches. You've been able to say, hey, when, when you start out, think about these things in advance. And I don't know about you, but I, I've tried to buy a time machine multiple times. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just can't find an affordable one anywhere. But, you know, talking to leaders like yourself that are just, you know, a decade or two down the road, it helps us go, you know what, I can put that money back towards multiplication. I don't think I need to buy a time machine because here's a leader that's willing to open up his process, open up everything that they've learned along the way and turn back to me and say, hey, you can do this better than I did because I can pass on the wisdom of a pioneer. It's kind of like Lewis and Clark, right? You're making oh, the map totally. and you're kicking yeah. it back to everyone else going, hey, next time you go, go to the left of that mountain pass. We <laughs> went to the right. Hey, boom. And right. so I want to thank you, everybody. My guest today has been Peter Mueller of the Axe Network. Peter, if people want to get in touch with you and pick your brain, where can they do that? Uh, great way to get a hold of me is through the axechurchnetwork.com website or uh, first initial P, last name Mueller, Austin. That's the city where I am in Texas. PMuellerAustin at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email. Love to talk more with you. Well, don't forget, if you're listening and you want to start this journey of multiplication, why don't you head on over to exponential.org and take the multiplication challenge. And again, my guest today, Peter Mueller of the Axe Network. And it's been a pleasure having you on, Peter. And for the audience, it's been a pleasure having you join us again so that we can help you become a reproducing church and a multiplying leader. I want to thank you again for joining us today on the Exponential Reproducing Churches podcast, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for joining Peyton Jones on the Reproducing Churches podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. Let's increase the number of churches that multiply from 7 to 10%. For more information or resources, such as courses, audios, videos, ebooks, or discounts for the next exponential conference in your area, visit reproducingchurches.org.